Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello. And welcome to Gaze on Film. This podcast is where we, a pair of gays, talk about what we're watching. I'm Ned. And I'm Declan. And in this time capsule episode, I haven't quite got that to second nature yet with time capsules. (laughs) In this time capsule episode, we'll be discussing the classic queer road trip film, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. (laughs) Remember, there will be spoilers, so as always, do proceed with caution. And why are we doing this particular film? Oh, I love it. No, I know, but why? Uh, Do you not remember the conversation we had? No. Well, when you're listening to this, we're on holiday in Mexico for my 30th. Yeah. And we said, why don't we try to do a queer holiday type film? Oh, yes, one about and I, holiday. And there isn't many of them. No. <laughs> and I saw, and we're not doing a road trip, but I thought, oh, well, the closest I can get to it is the Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. I mean, we could have done Fire Island, but we did that I know, so we did it. Ago. I know. Yeah. And I thought, well, yeah, I'd, any excuse to rewatch it, so, yeah. Oh, I love Priscilla. Do you want to do a synopsis? Yeah. Go on, then. Okay. Three drag queens are offered a great job in Alice Springs in North Australia. The trouble is, they're in Sydney and can't transport all of their wares by air. So they buy an old camper van and set off driving all the way across the Australian outback. Yeah. Pretty good. What do you want to say first? What did you think? Of what it? I want to say first is I love this film. Um, but what I found interesting, digging a bit deeper in the, we're going to do an episode on it, is I knew that I really liked this film, but I wasn't sure about whether other people did when it was released in 94. Mm-hmm. But turns out it was actually really, really positively like received. Mm-hmm. It was a worldwide hit. It helped kind of it was a positive portrayal of lgbt individuals helping like introduce these those kind of themes into the mainstream Mm -hmm. and for probably a lot of people introducing what drag is to to people um it currently has 94 percent on rotten tomatoes it's so good um and actually in certain critics critical list year ends for 94 it was actually in quite a few people's top 10 films of the year mm-hmm. um it won an academy award for best costume design um for the baftas it was up for costume design which it won it was also then nominated for original screenplay best actor for terence stamp which is something we'll get into in a bit mm-hmm. best production design best cinematography and it also won um 
best production, no, best makeup and hair, obviously. Um, was up for Golden Globes, up for Writers Guild. Like it's, I this is what I I really knew I liked it, but I really didn't get that didn't quite. You know when like parts of queer culture are a bit, they're a big deal for us, but when you go out to the normies. People are like, oh, I've heard of it. I've heard of it, but I've not seen it. Yeah. But it's like... No, yeah. clearly it made um, made waves. It's very much a film that... It must have it? had influence at the time because the year after, um, Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar came out. And that's kind of this, but in America. Something says that. Mm. Have you ever seen Tu Wong Fu? In 1995, an American film called What You've Said was released featuring three drag queens who travel across the US. According to Al Clark, the creators of Priscilla heard about the film while shooting theirs and for a moment were troubled until they read the script when they decided that it was sufficiently different from Priscilla to not be a commercial and critical threat. So it was very like, it wasn't planned. People had the idea at the same time. Yeah. And these got... But it both films have ended up with like a bit of a. I mean, they are both. Cult I would, following. Yeah, I love both of them. To be fair, Priscilla takes the biscuit for me, though. And it's inherently Australian as well. Like I think, it's yeah. part of, a big part of Australian queer culture. It was yeah. included in the two thousand Summer Olympics closing ceremony. Um, oh, I didn't know that. That's fun. Yeah. Priscilla was part of the big parade where yeah. they did like bits of Australian popular culture. Yeah. Um, there's quite often a lot around Mardi Gras in Sydney to do with it. Yeah. Um, so it's had a massive impact. Obviously, there's a musical now on stage that is inspired, adapted You've from seen it. it I have you? seen it. It was an absolute great laugh. But so we're talking about the film, yeah. the wider things. Shall we actually get into. So we're talking, we just talked more about its impact and its legacy and all that kind of stuff. And you can't really finish that conversation to me without potentially having some of the discussions about some of what I would deem a bit racist and a bit sexist at times, parts of the film. Yeah, before we get into those details and things, I just want to round off the kind of general thoughts with um, my first intro to Priscilla Queen of the Desert was uh when will I've been maybe six I was 16 probably mum got me it for Christmas not too long after I came out (laughs) not because like she wasn't like oh you're gay you'll like this but I think she was like just subtly letting me know that everything is okay Mm. um so yes I loved it and I've watched it so so many times so many times loved it there's a lot of emotional heart to this film as well. Yeah, it's really... And um, it really tries to break a lot touching. of barriers. Like, even with it comes to, like, having Aboriginals in the film, meeting yeah. the drag queens, like, that kind of... Yeah. Two parts of a community... Two different communities that have both had troubles at times in, through history. Both marginalised. Both marginalised. And there's that. There's, like... I just... Yeah, and I find it... I find the, the the three characters. Mm. So we've got Bernadette, played by Terence Stamp. Yeah. 
We've got Adam Whiteley played by Guy Pearce. And we've um, got Anthony Tick Bellrose played by Hugo Weaving. And those two's drag names are, I think, Hugo Weaving's Mitzi and Guy Pearce's Felicia. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you want to just get straight into it about Bernadette and Terence Stamp? So, trans representation, in theory. Yeah. This, I think it does predate kind of popular conversation about casting decisions for trans characters. Yeah, I um, agree. And also predates kind of a lot of... Uh, kind of worldwide i think critique of the way that um characters are written and developed for queer people and particularly trans people i so guess what we we're do saying have is, to take that yeah. context with it i guess what we're saying is if it was made now i, I would, would like i would Bernadette be criticizing be it harder than i'm about to a transgender woman yes yeah um i think in spite of it being a cis het man playing a, a trans woman um, it was generally quite a respectful performance. That's right. I was going to say. Feel I think like it was no, I didn't think. I think he really seemed to want to perform it in the. I am a transgender woman, and yeah. he tried to understand the yeah. what so. that lived experience was like. So yeah, whilst there is issues with it being a cis het white man, well, yeah. his race doesn't really matter in this respect. But um, yeah, with it being a man playing a transgender woman. I do think it's probably one of the better examples of that happening. Yes, I think it was quite cleverly done in um, in terms of kind of the way that Bernadette's character is developed and things like um, whenever there are trans jokes in here, it never feels like Bernadette is the punchline. And she's always really able to like turn it back on the person that's kind of trying to take the piss. And I think she has that incredible self-awareness of her own yeah. character and her own what people are thinking about her, but she kind of understands it and and uses those. Yeah. Like, there was a, there's a line where, because she's bereaved, isn't she? And she said, oh, some people have got things for transsexuals or something, but she doesn't say it in like a oh, I'm so hard done by. It's like a real just... It's just a fact that some people like transsexuals and she's quite comfortable with... Or transgender women. Like, she's quite comfortable with that fact. Like, I can't describe it properly, but I just think it's... Yeah. And we use the word transsexual because she does, not because it's part of common parlance these days, I don't think. Yes. Yeah. Um, Another example, I think where where really Bernadette was the butt of the joke was when um Guy Pierce's character what's what's his boy name? Guy Pierce's character, yeah. Adam Whiteley. When Adam um dead names Bernadette um and calls her Ralph and yeah. she flips her lid and really tells him what for. And I think that is um an important way to react to such a joke. And because... I think it's an important thing for people to see yes. as well. And like... I think as well, it was good that the person telling that joke was Bernadette's friend and a queer person because it was like a lesson in the extra layer of 
um, misunderstanding that trans people get even among the queer community and things. So it was a learning point from Bernadette to Adam that like when someone transitions, you don't use their dead name. It's not. Oh yeah, that's like the it's like, biggest of burns. Don't you fucking can, do yeah, it. Yeah, and she takes no shit. Like yeah. she's really good at like holding her own throughout everything else but that is like the line um that i think is particularly hurtful to cross because they're supposed to be friends yeah yeah but i guess your best friends know how to to get you as well like yeah yeah they know how to push your buttons yeah and there's a button too far yeah i think what's really interesting um is that they've all got their own story as well like while whilst terence stamp is like um, like Bernadette's probably our main character. Yeah. I like some of the queer perspectives that we understand, especially for this kind of time period. So um, Mitzi, Hugo Weaving, we find out has still got a wife as they never divorce. So they've got that kind of... His wife, I think he and his wife married originally, probably for like tax reasons or something, because she's gay mm. and they have a baby together. But I quite liked that story as yeah, well. Like, me too. I like when stories are queer characters who have to fit societal moulds and they make it just work for themselves. So a gay man and a lesbian's got married. Well, it's amazing kid, what but... marginalisation will do for your creativity. Well, exactly. That's what I mean. So yeah. I quite like that. And then I also quite like the naivety of a young, gorgeous... Um, Felicia, played by Guy Pearce, who yeah. is so fit in this film. Just, um, like, carefree. Yeah. There are a couple of points at which that is challenged, I think, which is ni- which is interesting. I think there's a lot going on that Felicia doesn't necessarily deal with in life because, like, at one point she's talking about childhood and um, little boy Adam was called into the bathroom and his uncle was sat there in the tub and we don't they don't really go into any more but abuse is kind well, of Well he says he pulled the plug out and his balls were stuck in the plug hole for hours until his parents came home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think But you don't really know what happened. He's got that wall and hasn't he definitely he? doesn't say yeah this guy's like an abusive bastard. Felicia's got that young person wall where Built I think the wall they've up. not they've, but they've not really been they're not old enough to let the guard down a bit. And yeah. just like, oh, I'm gay, I'm free, look how amazing my life is, where I think, maybe not now, but definitely in this time period, like, yeah. they all had their demons in some way yeah. or another. And they're able um, to kind of, in some cases, move past them. But I think this was an example where um, Adam slash Felicia definitely wasn't um, processing the kind of... Um, I guess childhood trauma, which maybe plays into that adult naivety and carefreeness. Mm. Because at one point she goes out dressed in drag that was very much more dressed as a woman than dressed as a drag queen. Mm. Um, and there's loads of like burly men drinking beer around a fire, eating <laughs> beef. Um, and she flirts a bit, and then when they realise that she's actually a man, uh, all of their prejudice comes out 
and she's about to get very very hurt before before Bernard who's the oh right yeah this is when they're in that mining town isn't it yeah and Adam gets but what I like is they use that device of a homophobic attack to kind of they reach their understanding after they've they've had a bit of a fallout and they all kind of come to terms about Tick's marriage as well and they all kind of get on there's a name for that kind of attack when the attacker attacks out of like rage and blind panic because suddenly they realise that the person they've been flirting with or whatever is not the gender that they thought they were there's a name for it. It's, really, it's like a specific type of hate. Oh, crime. it's like some panic. Yeah, moral moral panic. Something. No, yeah, but I know what panic. you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So a uh, special type of crime that only sort of, I think, uh, queer people probably. Yeah, I know what you mean. If that's going to annoy me. You know now. what I mean? Yeah. There is a word for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where things get a bit scary. And I think Felicia's shit gets real for, for a hot second there. Um, but yes, the day is saved. And then their relationship as a trio starts to kind of become a bit richer in the in the recovery from that, which is nice, as you were about to say. Yeah. So what, let's talk about a bit of the the racist controversy around this film. Go on. It's portrayal of a Filipina character. Yes. Cynthia. So it's played for laughs, isn't it, basically? Yes. She has yes. been a performer. And when she meets the drag queens, she gets jealous of the, those performing. And then we find out that she's banned from the bar that they're going to perform in. And then I mean, all it's of a, a sudden, tiny town with a bar, yeah. you know. But she's like, I'm not having yeah. this. She goes to the cupboard and gets yeah. something out the cupboard, which we later reveal is a box of ping pong balls. Yeah. I don't really... One, I don't have a lot to comment on. Because it's not my lived experience. Well, and also, like, knowing what we know now and being at the point in kind of general discussion about representation of different people around the world in cinema, after saying this is kind of racist and really problematic, there isn't, like, a whole lot more we can yeah. say. I wouldn't do it now. Definitely wouldn't do it now. Um, and if it what is interesting, now, though, is the musical criticize. still has it in it. Does it? Yeah. Interesting. Although I can't remember if it's... Oh can't remember if it's played if it's about race or it's just about someone who likes to fire ping pong balls out the fanny which does make it slightly different but Um, this is using it's like the worst stereotype of like kind of like an asian male lady male order bride type prostitute um, gold digger yeah really didn't she'll fire ping pong balls out of a fanny um it's not uh, not a good look these days. That re- that feature of this film really hasn't aged well, and I think that that is very fair to say. Producer Clark defended the film against these accusations, arguing that while Cynthia was the stereotype, it was not the purpose of filmmakers to avoid the portrayal of vulnerable characters from specific minority backgrounds. He stated that she was a misfit like the three protagonists are and just about everybody else in the film is and her presence is no more a statement about Filipino women 
than having three drag queens is a statement about Australian men. I can get it, but I, you know, it still is an uncomfortable. I think thing. what like, what he, what that been... producer is saying is, yeah. and I'm going to try and put it in terms that I would understand in my own head, that it's not, it's not the filmmaker's job to come to 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 avoid mm-hmm. showing a stereotype that exists for a reason. There's so many more nuances yeah. into that because you could say, yeah. I don't know, white people have fetishized Filipino women into that. So we, somebody has created that stereotype. I think what they're trying to say is it's not up to them to shy away from that, showing no. what that stereotype, because I think that stereotype exists. I think when so... we talk about kind of problematic tropes in cinema though, Isolating it like that is very easy to easy to sort of justify it like that. But on the landscape of what gets portrayed in cinema, if there are no other characters that are, you know, um, developed properly, fully formed humans, realized, self-realized people, um, then this is just another crude stereotype yeah and it doesn't subvert it does it it doesn't no, like try it's not and use the stereotype it's not to critical. flip it on its head no. exactly it's just played for laughs yeah yeah and th- that's the very reason that it's yeah. problematic yeah. is that it's just played for laughs yeah um so because you're not I, sat you know, there going oh i feel so sorry for that woman exactly look what she has I mean, to do to earn a living the or... producer can say what they like and that's fine but hey, this is what this podcast we is are, for. And we are 20 years on, having had 20 years more of conversation about this sort of thing. So, um, no, 30. 30 years. Ooh. I was going to say, I was like, it looks way older than 20, but yeah. 1994, but my that conversation certainly well has then. moved on but that then. conversation's got 30 years more wisdom and experience in it. as old as me so. now. It is. Should we talk about some of the... I know, but I just saying 30 made me realise. Some of the songs, very, you know... Yes, definitely. Camp classics, pop songs, queer songs. Um, I like how um, Terence Stamp's character, why has that totally gone out of my head? Bernadette hates ABBA. I thought oh, that was yeah. quite funny, especially with the modern lens where everywhere you go, especially around gay culture, post Mamma Mia is ABBA is just everywhere. Yeah. But we've got like Finally by C.C. Peniston, um, I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. And I quite I've quite. i never been to me by Charlene, the one that it opens with. I love it. I've, it's so I've never. I've no, it's a bit. <laughs> it's weird how the film. It's not a musical, but it has songs. Yeah. And sometimes the songs are within the scene. Yeah. But then others, it's like it just cuts to a bit of a, a song break, especially the ones where Adam's on top of the bus performing. Yeah. Those just seem like the a little break from the story, whereas some of the songs yeah. are like, no, uh, we're going to perform this in a bar and this is what yeah. the number will be. Um, I love that as a storytelling device there, really. Yeah. It's a fun way. And it also, I think, probably adds to its ability to be adapted for stage. Yeah. Which maybe wasn't necessarily what they were thinking when they first put it together, but it's, oh, 
I think I, I love like, those breaks when um, you're sat on the on the shoe on the bus in the desert. It's just so so unbelievably calm. I think my favorite song in it though is "Shake Your Groove Thing, Shake Your Groove Thing." Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like how they perform that one. I do as um, But I can't like the musical that we get now is a jukebox musical and and has a lot of what this film has in it. Ah. Um, but yeah, just great camp classics. Like every song that comes on, you're like, oh yeah, this, yeah. I'm gonna have a bit of a bop to this. Yeah. Um, the bit that sticks in my head, kind of rent free. There's one line in it. Um, well, not that I don't think about the rest of the film as well, but I really like that. Kind of quite early on, um, Adam plants the seed that he's always had. The reason that he's on this road road trip is so that he can finally live out his lifelong fantasy of getting in full drag and walking up King's Canyon. Or Aluru or something it's called, like Ayers Rock, that kind of area. Well, I don't know if King's Canyon is part of, of Uluru, but it's um, something like that. Yeah. Um, and then Bernadette goes, a cock in a frock on a rock. And it just makes me laugh so much. You know it. what I just really and like? And they it. all do it at the end. Yeah. It's close to the end and it's just so fun. What I really like about the film, and I I, I like this in a lot of, of kind of LGBTQ plus films, is just like queer camaraderie. Yeah. Like when they're all drunk in that hotel room together after they get back from the bar. Yeah. That's just the experience of being with your gay friends together. Yeah. Like, I love my straight friends, but there's never... It's, I can't describe it. For me, it's never quite the same as when you've got a gaggle of... A gaggle of gays. gays. yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think I'd agree. And Sorry I just love it. Sorry to the friends of ours that are listening. No, but... you, well, they bring other things, but you'll never, you'll just never get, like, when you're being daft and drunk and talking gay shit. Yeah. Then, yeah. Um. Anything else? Yes, actually, I like that what this does as they go on their adventure through the desert and stop off at various small towns in different parts of Australia, it's like um, they'll be confronted by the rather inconvenient truth that homophobia exists, exists, yeah. queerphobia exists in society. And most often the three of them not only kind of face that and take it in their stride but become kind of quite um a spectacle for local people wherever they are Mm. they make friends along the way um and it's kind of a nice lesson in sort of being able to accept oneself being able to expect and demand acceptance from society and also um remind us that just because queer phobia exists in the world doesn't mean we don't have a right to have a place in it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And it also reminds me as well, like, just talking to people and seeing these people, different, p- deep, different with people with different perspectives mm. and different lives. Yeah, just sitting and chatting to them can yeah. just dispel so many. And I'm talking about like, like, even my own misconceptions about different people in society. I don't mean like, oh, yeah, just come and sit and talk to gay people. I'm also talking about when I sit and maybe talk to. You know, I always remember that documentary about transgender people. It was like, do you know anyone trans? It's like, no, but you're always a lot better off for when you know somebody. Because mm. you can just understand it. And I just think some of those more quieter scenes where, yes, homophobia does exist, but they're sat and just chatting. Just about just, stuff. Then barriers yeah, yeah, just yeah. drop. Um, and I think most people just realise that it doesn't matter what culture you're from or what who you are or what you are, we're all pretty much the same. Yeah. In, we're, the, uh, we're the same in the fact that we're all different, but I mean, yeah, but you know what I mean. That makes us all the same. Like, there's what is there's it? Our similarities make us like whatever. Like, yeah, I, whatever. I but can't remember the quote. You're people on know what I'm going after. Um, yeah, I think in the, on that point of kind of um, understanding prejudice as well. This is a really fun way of challenging our preconceptions of the different characters we come across. Um, like, uh, oh, what's his name? Is he called Bill? The guy that, like, has to fix the lorry. Who then strikes up a bit of a relationship with Bernadette. Yeah, because you You kind of think he's, like, like, a barely small-town Australian man. Like, as the film goes on, you kind of meet him and you'd expect him to be kind of civil at best, small-minded at worst, but really he's super open-minded, very kind of worldly in his attitudes... Um, and that's really fun. At that other town, they walk into the bar and everyone stops and stares. Um, and it's the only woman in the room comes up to them and says, we don't serve your kind here, get the fuck out, basically. Um, and then Bernadette reads her for filth and all of the men <laughs> absolutely howl. She is laughing. Oh, yeah, place. yeah. And then suddenly they're all getting on like absolute yeah. house on fire and they have a blast um, because i always think so it's just like kind lo- of breaking the ice type type yeah like a lot of these a lot of the views that people have it's like you just have them and they're you don't really and when yeah views, when you put in a when you put in a position where you you're in that you're meeting yeah. someone who, you know, she's like, oh, get out the bar, we don't serve you. Then they all start laughing. It's like, well, yeah, why have I even said that? I don't yeah. really understand. Why don't we serve people like them? Like, exactly. It's just silly. Yes. I love, love, love <laughs> some of the costumes in this film. I was going to say, but... we could not talk We could not talk about a film about drag queens without commenting on the looks. Yeah, and I don't... I really like my favourite of the, like, 
almost pop arty type looks a lot that Adam wears. The ones that are very like um, they're almost like a PVC. They're made a of clown. plastic, and like yeah. I like how they've got really flared trousers. Yeah, because I can imagine there's one thing seeing a drag queen, but there's one another thing seeing a drag queen dressed like that in yeah. like clothes that are so over the top. Yeah, that you know, like when they're in these small towns, you wouldn't. What's be your like, What's your favorite look from? Priscilla I like that queen one. That that. Over the top one where what's Adam's drag name? Felicia. He's got like a blue plastic blue wig on. Plastic. But I fucking adore Mitzi's flip flop dress. Mitzi's flip flop dress. It's so iconic. It like so I keep funny. thinking I was watching this thing and I know obviously I've got a thirtieth birthday party coming up, which you know, I won't say any more and it's got a bit of a theme. But I thought I'd love to maybe do a theme at another party in the future. Where you have to be like a ca- not just a character from a film, but a character from a LGBT film. Right. And I thought, the like that, that does leave drag. a lot of room for interpretation. It actually. does, which is probably a good thing. That's a good theme to have. If someone didn't come as a peach, I'd be very annoyed. A peach. Call me by your name. Oh yes, of course. I was thinking James and the Giant Peach. I was like, that's not gay. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite. I don't know. It's a bit gay. That spiders camp. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, just the looks. And I like I like um, when Bernadette... And I know Bernadette... This is where I always struggle with, because I know drag is an art form. And Bernadette sometimes is in drag, mm-hmm. I would say, and then other times she's just dressed she just as a Bernadette, woman. Bernadette, yeah. And I like... I quite like the... Because sometimes she's dressed as a woman when they the other two characters are in drag, I would say. And she just looks quite demure as if she's trying to well, blend in. I think you're on about the scene where um, uh, Mitzi's wearing the flip-flop dress. Yeah, And yeah. they get to that hotel. So she's, like, because, all in silver with, like, a headscarf on. That is like... because um, Mitzi and Felicia were playing, like, a card game or something. Um, and the wager for if Mitzi lost was that they had to go to wherever they next stop in full drag. That was it. And that's why Bernadette isn't in drag, but the other two are. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great film. Oh, that hope never, ever, ever gets remade because it doesn't need to it, be. No, it doesn't. We've got a musical to keep its legacy alive. So if yeah. you want to go have a bit of fun, go see it when it's touring again because I'm sure it always tours every few years. So. Yes. Yeah. Anything else? No. No. Star ratings? I went with four. Mm. Don't really know why. Because I find films that are a bit older difficult to rate. rate. But I think you'd probably get me each time I watch it on a four or four and a half, depending on what mood I'm in. I don't think I'd ever quite go to five, but... I think uh, before I knew what I know now, I might have once upon a time called it a five because it it had quite an important role in my kind of self-actualization as a teenager. Mm -hmm. But... um, I don't think a film with kind of the issues we've discussed, kind of it's not necessarily aging yeah. the best, can ever be a five these days. I agree. Um, so for me, it's a four and a half. Great. And that's all. No, it's not all. We've not done gaydar. Oh, my God. <gasps> now let's unsheathe the gaydar. 
It's a wonderful piece of machinery devised by Ned's own hand, and we use it to rank all the films and TV we discuss based on their LGBTQ plus appeal. Let's see where the Gadar ranks. The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. I didn't know that this was its full title to like when I was putting the episode together either. Me neither. <laughs> I was just thought it was Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Yeah, but it's not. It's and I even looked of. to say if it was like called something else somewhere in, in the UK, it was called something yeah. different, but no. no. It's really funny, actually. When you think of it called The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, suddenly the bus is the main character. Yeah. Interesting. Um... <laughs> yeah, that is a bit weird, actually. <laughs> so... It's obviously very high up on the list. What we've got is fourth place, according to this. So what's below it first? Uh, below it, Passages, Red, White and Royal Blue, Barbie. Okay. Above it? Bottoms, Sex Education Season 4, Heartstopper. Yeah, I mean, obviously this film has massive LGBTQ plus appeal. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily give... The full rainbow, no. From an identity perspective, as things like Heartstopper and Sex Education, mm. but for what it does do, I think it does very well. And obviously, yes. it belongs at the top of that kind of yes. league of of queer films. What a nice collection of things we've got towards the top of Gaydar ratings. There, honestly, then. this as we build. So this what list, is it? Sex Education, Heartstopper, like Passages, Priscilla. Bottoms. Bottoms. Barbie. Mm. So they're like at the minute where we are with, with kind of queer content that we've done episodes on. Yeah, I mean, Barbie is kind of the top of what I would call the kind of overlap section. Where right. there is a little bit of kind of there are queer actors in the cast. Yeah. Um, or kind of hints of, of queer representation, but it's yeah. not about it. Yeah. Whereas that top bit Whereas is... Whereas that top bit is like, these are our queer the, stories. The gay stories, aren't they? Um, so yes, quite liking how that's panning out. Yeah, and I think one of our goals for this year is to is to do... Get some more And also kind of LGBT seek cinema. out more LGBT... Because I know there are... There, there, there were probably some smaller independent films. Like, the fact that we... I think it's a massive coup that we did an episode on Passages, which is the most indie of indie films ever. Mm. Um, but at least we're sticking to our kind of remit and what we do and what we like to talk about um but yeah i i I just think it's a great queer film yes it has its it has its issues from a modern perspective um but it's a nice little time capsule time capsule really is one from the archives isn't it yeah okay well that's all for this time if you have enjoyed this episode of Gaze on Film, please subscribe, rate and comment on your podcast platform of choice. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. We are at Gaze on Film Pod and you can check out our Letterboxd accounts. The links to those are in the show notes. Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts, especially on this one. Yeah. So please do feel free to drop us a message. Um, I have been Ned. And I have been Declan. And this has been Gaze on Film. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.